Chapter Nine of Voltaire and the French Enlightenment by Will Durant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Voltaire and Rousseau. Voltaire was so engrossed in the struggle against ecclesiastical tyranny that during the later decades of his life he was compelled almost to withdraw from the war on political corruption and oppression. Politics is not in my line. I have always confined myself to doing my little best to make men less foolish and more honourable. He knew how complex a matter political philosophy can become, and he shed his certainties as he grew. I am tired of all these people who govern states from the recesses of their garrets. These legislators who rule the world at two cents a sheet, unable to govern their wives or their households, they take great pleasure in regulating the universe. It is impossible to settle these matters with simple and general formulae, or by dividing all people into fools and knaves on the one hand, and on the other ourselves. Truth has not the name of a party, and he writes to Vauvenargue, it is the duty of a man like you to have preferences, but not exclusions. Being rich, he inclines toward conservatism for no worse reason than that which impels the hungry man to call for a change. His panacea is the spread of property. Ownership gives personality and an uplifting pride. The spirit of property doubles a man's strength. It is certain that the possessor of an estate will cultivate his own inheritance better than that of another he refuses to excite himself about forms of government. Theoretically, he prefers a republic, but he knows its flaws. It permits factions which, if they do not bring on civil war, at least destroy national unity. It is suited only to small states protected by geographical situation, and as yet unspoiled and untorn with wealth. In general, men are rarely worthy to govern themselves republics are transient at best they are the first form of society arising from the union of families the american indians lived in tribal republics and africa is full of such democracies but differentiation of economic status puts an end to these egalitarian governments and differentiation is the inevitable accompaniment of development which is better, he asks, a monarchy or a republic? And he replies, For four thousand years this question has been tossed about. Ask the rich for an answer, they all want aristocracy. Ask the people, they want democracy. Only the monarchs want monarchy. How then has it come about that almost the entire earth is governed by monarchs? Ask the rats, who proposed to hang a bell about the neck of the cat. But when a correspondent argues that monarchy is the best form of government, he answers, provided Marcus Aurelius is monarch, for otherwise what difference does it make to a poor man whether he is devoured by a lion or by a hundred rats? Likewise, he is almost indifferent to nationalities. Like a travelled man, he has hardly any patriotism in the usual sense of that word. Patriotism commonly means, he says, that one hates every country but one's own. If a man wishes his country to prosper, but never at the expense of other countries, 
he is at the same time an intelligent patriot and a citizen of the universe like a good european he praises england's literature and prussia's king while france is at war with both england and prussia so long as nations make a practice of war he says there is not much to choose among them for he hates war above all else war is the greatest of all crimes and yet there is no aggressor who does not colour his crime with the pretext of justice it is forbidden to kill therefore all murderers are punished unless they kill in large numbers and to the sound of trumpets he has a terrible general reflection on man at the end of the article on man in the dictionary twenty years are required to bring a man from the state of a plant in which he exists in the womb of his mother and from the state of an animal which is his condition in infancy to a state in which the maturity of reason begins to make itself felt thirty centuries were necessary in which to discover even a little of his structure an eternity would be required to know anything of his soul but one moment suffices in which to kill him does he therefore think of revolution as a remedy no for first of all he distrusts the people when the people undertake to reason all is lost the great majority is always too busy to perceive the truth until change has made the truth an error and its intellectual history is merely the replacement of one myth by another when an old error is established politics uses it as a morsel which the people have put into their mouths until another superstition comes along to destroy this one and politics profits from the second error as it did from the first and then again inequality is written into the very structure of society and can hardly be eradicated while men are men and life is a struggle those who say that all men are equal speak the greatest truth if they mean that all men have an equal right to liberty to the possession of their goods and to the protection of the laws but equality is at once the most natural and the most chimerical thing in the world natural when it is limited to rights unnatural when it attempts to level goods and powers not all citizens can be equally strong but they can all be equally free it is this which the english have won to be free is to be subject to nothing but the laws this was the note of the liberals of turgot and condorcet and mirabeau and the other followers of voltaire who hoped to make a peaceful revolution it could not quite satisfy the oppressed who called not so much for liberty as for equality equality even at the cost of liberty rousseau voice of the common man sensitive to the class distinctions which met him at every turn demanded a levelling and when the revolution fell into the hands of his followers marat and robespierre equality had its turn and liberty was guillotined voltaire was sceptical of utopias to be fashioned by human legislators who would create a brand new world out of their imaginations society is a growth in time not a syllogism in logic and when the past is put out through the door it comes in at the window the problem is to show precisely by what changes we can diminish misery and injustice in the world in which we actually live in the historical eulogy of reason 
truth the daughter of reason voices her joy at the accession of louis the sixteenth and her expectation of great reforms to which reason replies my daughter you know well that i too desire these things and more but all this requires time and thought i am always happy when amid many disappointments i obtain some of the amelioration i long for yet he too rejoiced when turgot came to power and wrote we are in the golden age up to our necks now would come the reforms he had advocated juries abolition of the tithe an exemption of the poor from all taxes etc and had he not written that famous letter everything that i see appears to be throwing broadcast the seed of a revolution which must some day inevitably come but which i shall not have the pleasure of witnessing the french always come late to things but they do come at last light extends so from neighbour to neighbour that there will be a splendid outburst on the first occasion and then there will be a rare commotion the young are fortunate they will see fine things yet he did not quite realise what was happening about him and he never for a moment supposed that in this splendid outburst all france would accept enthusiastically the philosophy of this queer jean-jacques rousseau who from geneva and paris was thrilling the world with sentimental romances and revolutionary pamphlets the complex soul of france seemed to have divided itself into these two men so different and yet so french nietzsche speaks of la gaia scienza the light feet wit fire grace strong logic arrogant intellectuality the dance of the stars surely he was thinking of voltaire now beside voltaire put rousseau all heat and fantasy a man with noble and jejune visions the idol of la bourgeoise gentifemme announcing like pascal that the heart has its reasons which the head can never understand in these two men we see again the old clash between intellect and instinct voltaire believed in reason always we can by speech and pen make men more enlightened and better rousseau had little faith in reason he desired action the risks of revolution did not frighten him he relied on the sentiment of brotherhood to reunite the social elements scattered by turmoil and the uprooting of ancient habits let laws be removed and men would pass into a reign of equality and justice when he sent to voltaire his discourse on the origin of inequality with its arguments against civilization letters and science and for a return to the natural condition as seen in savages and animals voltaire replied i have received sir your new book against the human species and i thank you for it no one has ever been so witty as you are in trying to turn us into brutes to read your book makes one long to go on all fours as however it is now some sixty years since i gave up the practice i feel that it is unfortunately impossible for me to resume it he was chagrined to see rousseau's passion for savagery continued into the social contract ah monsieur he writes to monsieur borde you see now that jean-jacques resembles a philosopher as a monkey resembles a man he is the dog of diogenes gone mad yet he attacked the swiss authorities for burning the book holding to his famous principle i do not agree with a word that you say but i will defend to the death 
your right to say it and when rousseau was fleeing from a hundred enemies voltaire sent him a cordial invitation to come and stay with him at les delices what a spectacle that would have been voltaire was convinced that all this denunciation of civilization was boyish nonsense that man was incomparably better off under civilization than under savagery he informs rousseau that man is by nature a beast of prey and that civilized society means a chaining of this beast a mitigation of his brutality and the possibility of the development through social order of the intellect and its joys he agrees that things are bad a government in which it is permitted a certain class of men to say let those pay taxes who work we should not pay because we do not work is no better than a government of hottentots paris has its redeeming features even amidst its corruption in the world as it goes voltaire tells how an angel sent babouk to report on whether the city of persepolis should be destroyed babouk goes and is horrified with the vices he discovers but after a time he began to grow fond of a city the inhabitants of which were polite affable and beneficent though they were fickle slanderous and vain he was much afraid that persepolis would be condemned he was even afraid to give in his account this he did however in the following manner he caused a little statue composed of different metals of earth and of stones the most precious and the most vile to be cast by one of the best founders of the city and carried it to the angel wilt thou break said he this pretty statue because it is not wholly composed of gold and diamonds the angel resolved to think no more of destroying persepolis but to leave the world as it goes after all when one tries to change institutions without having changed the nature of men that unchanged nature will soon resurrect those institutions here was the old vicious cycle men form institutions and institutions form men where could change break into this ring voltaire and the liberals thought that intellect could break the ring by educating and changing men slowly and peacefully rousseau and the radicals felt that the ring could be broken only by instinctive and passionate action that would break down the old institutions and build at the dictates of the heart new ones under which liberty equality and fraternity would reign perhaps the truth lay above the divided camps that instinct must destroy the old but that only intellect can build the new certainly the seeds of reaction lay fertile in the radicalism of rousseau for instinct and sentiment are ultimately loyal to the ancient past which has begotten them and to which they are stereotyped adaptations after the catharsis of revolution the needs of the heart would recall supernatural religion and the good old days of routine and peace after rousseau would come chateaubriand and de stal and de maitre and kant End of chapter nine